This has to be one of the fastest growing up and coming brands in bourbon. What's up, guys? This is Chris, and you are listening to the Whiskey Noobs podcast. And today we're talking about Penelope Bourbon. Specifically, we're going to be reviewing Penelope Barrel Strength Bourbon. Now, if you're on social media a lot, if you're on Whiskey Gram and Whiskey Talk, you probably see people talk about Penelope Bourbon. They are, as I mentioned, an up-and-coming brand. They're pretty new to the game, but they seem to have caught on pretty quickly. While they are a sourced brand like many new bourbon brands, they are transparent about it. They tell you where their stuff is from. Right here on the bottle, it says distilled in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, bottled in Penelope Bourbon Bottling Company in Bardstown, Kentucky. So they're very transparent about the fact that they're sourced. This is MGP juice, but they blend it together and they make these different expressions, these different batches of bourbon. And I wanted to talk about it because I've had people ask me about it quite a bit. So I thought, for those of you asking about it, you're going to finally get your review. For those of you who can't get to it, because Penelope is still working on their distribution a bit, at least the last time I checked, they weren't even available in Ohio for a while, thus the reason this review is just now happening, even though I was asked about it quite a bit over the past year or so. I'm just not doing it because it's just now available in Ohio. If you can't access it, I apologize in advance for doing this review, but I have, as I mentioned, had a lot of people, a surprising amount of people, ask me to review Penelope. So I thought, let's give it a try, and I have tried their normal bourbon on uh, Instagram and TikTok. I did a quick review of it. This is their barrel strength bourbon. Now, to get started, they, as I mentioned, make their bourbon, they they blend it together, and they release it in batches. So this is their straight bourbon whiskey, barrel strength, as the bottle reads, and this is batch number 12. So for those of you who have your own at home, maybe you're on the whiskey list and you the, the email list and you grabbed it, um, this is batch number 12 that I have. Your batch might be a little bit different from mine, but that's part of the beauty of, of small batches is some are better than others, and maybe you get one that you really like. Now, as I mentioned, they do blend these batches together. So this is blended from three different bourbon mash bills. And this is an expression of what they call their four-grain bourbon. So their their run-of-the-mill normal bourbon is just called the four-grain bourbon. They don't call the barrel strength their four-grain, but they consider it an expression. It said something along the lines on their website of it being, you know, an amplified expression of their four-grain bourbon. And what that means is it is made with four different grains. So this mash bill includes not just corn and rye, maybe some wheat, maybe some malted barley. This has all four. So this has corn, rye, wheat, and malted barley all in this mash bill. And they blend. There's three different mash bills though, and they blend them all together in order to come up with this expression. So I am going to run through this. I am going to do a review. I'll be honest with you, I think we're going to have to compare this a little bit to Wild Turkey Rare Breed because I have tasted this already um, in order to get an idea for you guys going into this episode. And I want to compare it to Wild Turkey Rare Breed. So if you stick around at the end, I'm probably going to do a a quick side-by-side comparison of this with Wild Turkey Rare Breed, which is, of course, barrel-proof as well. I don't believe I've mentioned it yet, so the proof of this is 113.9 proof. Now, without further ado, let's get a little bit into this tasting. What I want to recognize right off the bat is the light sweetness that this has. It has a white sugary type smell to it on the nose, and it reminds me just a tiny bit, 
I don't want to compare this and have people think that this is the same level, but it reminds me a little bit of Pendleton, which is a much less expensive whiskey. It's a Canadian whiskey, and it's very good, but this on the nose does somewhat remind me of Pendleton. Now on the palate, it's a little bit different, which we're about to get into, but I just want to throw that out there for those of you who maybe don't have the Penelope in front of you right now, but you've had Pendleton. It has that sort of a white sugary donut glaze type smell to it. I think there's a little bit more going on than there is with Pendleton. It lacks that very bright fruit nose that Pendleton has, but it has um, a bit of spiciness, a bit of maybe a touch of char to it, and overall has a decent body, a good amount of ethanol on the nose. This is barrel strength, which is something that you're probably going to expect from barrel strength. You're going to have ethanol on the nose, but it's worth mentioning that there is a good amount of ethanol. This is very weird. I did not plan on saying this. Um, I didn't get this note before. Maybe it's just right now, but just now as I nosed it, I smelled coconut for a second. It actually reminded me, it took me straight back to vacation. I used to get a coconut flavor of coffee, and that that's what this reminded me of. It was, uh, like, I think it was Dunkin' Donuts, but it was the coconut iced coffee or something like that. This just took me right there. Um, so it's got this this vanilla-y flavor to it that for some reason right now is smelling like coconut to me, which I'm very intrigued by. It I didn't catch coconut up until this point, but let's get into the palate a little bit. Honestly, I am a bit worried now that I smelled the coconut that it's all I'm going to be able to think about is this coconut. I can taste it a little bit on the palate as well, so there's definitely... Now, for those of you who aren't tasting coconut, those of you who won't taste coconut, I think it's a it's a strong vanilla. It reminds me of like vanilla bean. Like if you've ever had something that is vanilla bean scented, you know it's different from just like plain vanilla ice cream. It's it's vanilla-y. It's very vanilla-y. But that to me right now is kind of translating as coconut, which is funny. And I'm definitely getting some sweetness, maybe a bit of sugar, maybe a bit more like a caramel or a brown sugar. I've been yelled at for saying caramel on social media. So caramel, for those of you who say caramel, yes, I know it's spelled caramel. I've just always said caramel my entire life. But maybe there's a little bit of that. There's more interacting, more going on. You get a solid spiciness, um, a little bit of an aggressive spiciness. This is barrel proof. That's kind of what you'd anticipate. And you get a little, a little bit of woodiness, actually, that I'm a fan of. Um, I don't, I don't know if it's just my palate today or what. I don't often call out woodiness on bourbons because so many bourbons are so woody. But I am getting a good amount of wood, and I attribute that with that vanilla and spice. So I think it makes sense to be getting the wood from it. But that's what I'm getting at the moment. This is certainly a palette that evolves a little bit on your tongue. Um, it starts off with this light, sweet, almost creaminess. It's almost got that that creamy element to it that some others have had that we talked about. I think the most recent that I would have said that for was probably the Wyoming whiskey, but I'm not 100% sure. Maybe those of you who have been listening pretty dedicated, you can... Uh, correct me on that, but it's got that bit of like creaminess to it that some bourbons will give you. And it also has, it melts from that sweet creaminess into this spicy, somewhat oakiness, which I kind of enjoy. It evolves as it's on your tongue, gets a little bit deeper, a little bit darker. You get, 
I would say if I had to break it down, I, I should try this again before I say this, but at least on that last sip, it starts off light, creamy, moves into spicy, moves a little bit more into oaky, and then kind of deepens into like a, I don't know, I almost want to say dark fruit. There's not a lot of fruit in this, but it deepens into this like almost brown sugary dark fruit. Not to the extent that I get with Wild Turkey Rare Breed, which is why I want to put these side by side because they both have that spicy element, but it does kind of deepen into that. Now, I bet when I put it side by side with Rare Breed, I'm going to say this is the lightest, sweetest thing in the world compared to Rare Breed, but we'll see. There's no doubt that there's a little bit of an evolution of this palate, uh, especially if you drink it sip like a sip back to back. It really emphasizes it that you get this light creaminess. It deepens, and then I took another sip, and it was like boom, back to this this light creaminess. I like a lot about this palette, so I feel fr- pretty comfortable saying something uh, slightly negative about it, and that is, it leaves a little bit of staleness on my tongue. This could totally just be my palate today. I drank it earlier. I had dinner, and I'm drinking it again for this review. And it could totally just be my palate today, but I noticed it earlier. I'm noticing it now. It leaves just a bit of that staleness on my palate. And I do know that a lot of people, I mean, countless comments whenever I reviewed the original Penelope 4 grain, have told me that they prefer not their main bourbon line. However, the main bourbon line is the only thing I can get in my area right now. I can get the four grain and I can get the barrel strength. So perhaps this is something they improve upon in their other expressions. I just can't get my hands on any of their other expressions at the moment. So I'm sticking with what I have and what I have in front of me says this leaves a little bit of a staleness on my tongue, but it has a pretty nice evolution along your palate. The finish is a little bit dry, but it's definitely lingering. It definitely sticks around. I can still, if I were to do like the Kentucky Chew right now and breathe a little bit, I would still be able to taste a little bit on my palate, even after all that blabbing that I just did. So it definitely has merits going for it. Just that little bit of harshness, I would say, building up on my palate. Overall, so far, I'd say it's got pretty solid complexity. I like that it evolves. I think the way the creaminess pairs with something I haven't really mentioned, which is a lot of times I'll say this, you'll get this weird creamy vanilla e taste that brings this very slight bitterness with it. That type of a palette in history has not been my favorite type of palette. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I like bakery sweets. I like dark fruits. This has some of those bakery sweets. It evolves pretty quickly into spiciness. But overall, it just it's a lot more vanilla forward than it is, let's say, caramel forward, caramel forward. And so if you know me, you know that that's not typically my palate. But rating this as objectively as I can, um, it does evolve on your palate. There's a significant transition on this palate. As it sits on your tongue, there's a significant change of flavor. Always a big fan of that. Keeps me very interested. For barrel proof, of course, it's a dry finish, but it's barrel proof, so it's going to be and doesn't offend me too badly in any way compared to other barrel proof expressions that I've had. It's just a fact that barrel proofs are strong. So good spiciness keeps me interested. I'm excited to see what notes they say you should get. So let's move on to that, and then I think we can do a little bit of a side-by-side with Rare Breed, just because they're they're really close in price. Rare Breed is $50 in my area. This is $60 in my area, the Penelope, barrel strength. So 
I want to do a little bit of a side by side and kind of get my my bearings for which one I like more. And of course, rare breed is in it's an undefeated commonly loved barrel strength bourbon so uh, i might be putting this up against a little bit of a giant but it costs more than the giant so we should be able to do that now let's move down to their tasting notes before we get carried away with the rare breed comparison and talk about what they say you should get i want to start cautioning as often as i can when i'm talking about the distiller's tasting notes that does not necessarily mean it's the notes that you should slash need to be tasting distillers will always dress up their notes it's in their best interest to make their expressions sound a little bit more appetizing than they actually are and sometimes they just have a pretty different palette than the rest of us and they say there's something there that isn't totally there but as i mentioned i always like to think that there are some common notes in most whiskeys that we can pull and maybe i can compare to their notes and tell you what i'm getting that i think replaces the things that they say they're getting so let's start with the nose Aroma, it says sweet caramel with hints of maple syrup and candied sweetness. I actually really like that description. I would lead with the candy, though. This, to me, is candy sweetness. As I mentioned, that white sugar, that glaze on your glazed donut, it's that kind of sweetness. Then a little bit of sweet caramel, and I don't know if I would even mention maple syrup, to be honest. Let me try smelling it again. Well, as I say that, I can see the argument for maple syrup, so maybe it is in there. I mentioned coconut, and I stand by that. It's this, it's the vanilla-y flavor mixed with something else, I think, that's giving me coconut vibes. And I doubt coconut's probably going to be in their notes because it's a very rare thing to say. But just to me, in this moment, it's definitely giving me coconut vibes. So let's talk about, they actually break up their tasting notes into forward notes, body, and finish. So forward notes, I'm going to guess they just mean right when it hits your palate. And this kind of shows you that they know. They know their bourbon transitions a little bit on your palate. So forward notes, we've got smooth caramel syrup, brown sugar, subtle barrel char, and hints of butterscotch and creme brulee. I think I'm going to agree with their notes a lot. It seems to be the case. So smooth caramel syrup, they keep leading with this caramel. And I don't know if I would lead with the caramel, to be totally honest with you. But subtle barrel char, I mentioned I don't get a lot of woodiness a lot of the time, but I got woodiness from this. So there's subtle barrel char there. Hints of butterscotch and creme brulee is, for me, that's the highlight of the what I would call the forward notes, the beginning of the palette. The highlight is that creme brulee. It is that creamy vanilla flavor. Um, I would say that that's the leading lady. Maybe you've got some butterscotch in there. I mentioned a subtle barrel char. But then moving into the body, I cannot agree more with the direction they're going. I don't agree entirely with the notes. But they move into the sweetness transitions to notes of cinnamon, barrel char, and slight maple syrup. Fully agreed. It gets this deeper sweetness to it, as I mentioned. Moves from that light butterscotch to more of a brown sugar, or what they're calling maple syrup. And you get spiciness and barrel-iness. So I can't disagree with what they're saying. The body definitely deepens into this slightly darker palette that you get. Now, on the finish, all I really mentioned is that it sticks around for a while. Now, they go as specific as to say spicy cinnamon, which I would agree with. It's kind of like um, a fireball candy, if you will. It, it Definitely, the finish has some pop to it. 
and it says spicy cinnamon finish with amazing lingering spice and heat. Wow, they even threw an amazing in there. Um, the spice and the heat linger. I would almost argue that some of that creme brulee comes back the longer you wait on the finish. Um, right after you swallow, you're still going to have that spice, that heat, that cinnamon. But I think some of that creme brulee comes back as the, the fumes leave your mouth a little bit and your tongue kind of reacclimates. That's just my personal opinion. Now, the last thing I want to add before we get to the comparison with Rare Breed is I love to point this out anytime I see it, and that is that I love the amount of information they give you on their website. You don't have to work very hard to give good info to the people who are drinking your stuff, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that they took the time to do it. So they have this little blurb uh, underneath the tasting notes on their website that I think it was underneath. I took screenshots of it. So my guess is that it's underneath, but in my notes, it's above it. But on their website, they put this little blurb that says bourbon facts. So you've got type and proof. It says four grain, straight bourbon whiskey. They say 115.2 proof, but my batch specifically is 113.9. And non-chill filtered, which I might do a whole episode on the filtering thing or at least part of an episode on it. But non-chill filtered is just a, a type of filtering, basically. Now, the process, they have a blend of three bourbon mash bills comprised of four grains, which we already knew I mentioned earlier, corn, wheat, rye, and malted barley. And then they go as far as they give you the barrel age and char. So the barrel age, they have 3.5 to 5 years old. The staves are a number four char, and the barrel heads are a number two char. We've talked previously about the different numbers of char. I believe that was actually in the Wild Turkey Rare Breed episode, so if you're interested, you can go listen to that. And then the mash bill they give is 74% corn, 16% wheat, 7% rye, and 3% malted barley. I'm curious, since it's a blend of three mash bills, if that is the average of all the mash bills. I'm not certain. Um, But I'm also a little bit shocked by that because, to me, it's got a little bit of the rye spiciness to it. I'm a little shocked to see that it is more wheat than it is rye. At any rate, I'm just really glad they give you that level of clarity, that level of detail. I love seeing it. I love seeing, I love being able to read up on the whiskey that I'm drinking. It just adds to the experience. And also, whiskeys that do that are the best when you're learning, which I still consider myself learning. I don't care how long I'm into whiskey, unless I've been in it for 50 years, I'm going to consider myself as learning. And when you're learning, it's nice to know what barrel char you've got, how old your whiskey is, what the mash bill looks like, because it helps you to learn more about what to expect from those types of whiskey. So I really enjoy the transparency there. I like the fact that they don't seem to be purposefully hiding the fact that they're sourced by MGP. They seem to be fairly transparent about it. So I enjoy that as well. And it's got sweet, it's got spicy, it's barrel strength, and that just makes me want to compare it to Wild Turkey Rare Breed. So let's do that real quick. I'm going to pour myself a glass of Rare Breed. Now, an interesting point of note is that the Penelope, as I mentioned, the staves are a number four char, and Wild Turkey is known for their love of the number four alligator char on their barrels. So these do have the same barrel char. I don't know if Wild Turkey goes as far as to have a different char level on the heads, or at least to disclose what that char level is, but the staves, number four char. And we're putting number four against number four, so that's a little bit exciting. Wild Turkey, at a glance, much darker than the Penelope. 
which does make sense because the wild turkey is older and neither of these are watered down. So you're just going to see what's coming out of the barrel. Wild turkey is definitely darker than the Penelope. Let's get a quick nose. I am impressed at the moment at how much Penelope holds its own against wild turkey. I thought it was going to be a very obvious wild turkey jumps out of the glass at you and Penelope resides back in the glass behind the alcohol. But you can, they're, they're pretty close. Penelope might put out a little bit more flavor than the rare breed, which once again, Penelope, the Penelope barrel strength that I'm drinking right now is 10 more dollars than rare breed in my area. So it should, it should be better, but I'm actually a little bit surprised that it is. I don't know if I want to go as far as to say the Penelope is better on the nose, but it is most certainly different. The wild turkey is giving me a little bit more of the fruitiness. Um, definitely, that definitely sweetens it up a bit compared to the Penelope. It almost accentuates the Penelope's slightly spicy, slightly woody, a little bit molasses brown sugar type nose to it. Um, so side by side on the nose, I'm going to say it's basically a tie. I'm not really meaning to rank these two, but I'm just impressed because of the fact that Penelope is so much newer and it has a, a solid nose compared to wild turkey rare breed. Let's go with the palate though. This is where we separate the boys from the men. Well, I wanted to do this side by side to make sure that Penelope isn't robbing you for the $60. And I think I can conclusively say they are not. I know that Rare Breed is a bourbon that is worth $50. I think I can conclusively say the Penelope is right in that price range, if not worth the extra $10. It definitely has a, a bit more transition to it, in my opinion. It's two different palettes, so it's hard to compare. Uh, the Penelope's got this lighter, that creme brulee melting into spice. It's definitely a lighter palette that I have, throughout the course of this tasting, become very accustomed to. And it exemplifies, or I should say exaggerates, the rare breed's sort of grittier, more charred, because it is older. You get that barrel char. You get that age. It It's exaggerated putting it up against this light vanilla creme brulee. Penelope. But both are great. I'm not trying to say I would buy this over Rare Breed. I honestly don't know which one I would buy. They're two super different palettes. I'm going to do the cop-out answer and say I would buy both of them because they're so different. But the thing that I, I really want to take away from this side-by-side -side is I'm very impressed at how much the Penelope holds up against the Rare Breed. Of course, Rare Breed is a different palette. It's it's I've been growing accustomed to the Penelope throughout this whole tasting, but it it holds up. It's got on the nose a little bit more complexity. On the palate, maybe it's more complexity, maybe it's just the fact that my palate's grown so accustomed to the Penelope that the Rare Breed to me, I'm just getting the caricature of it. I'm just getting this exaggerated slightly black peppery chard, uh some dark fruit which I love of course. So I'm not going to I'm not going to say that, oh, I like this one more than the other. It's, it's a really hard thing to do under these circumstances. What I will absolutely say is I know Wild Turkey Rare Breed is worth the $50. I, I've established that in my brain, of course. So by that logic, I'd say Penelope's right up there in that same price range. It's, it's probably worth the $60 that they're asking for it. 
Um, I don't know if I would go crazy trying to find it, and this is probably why it sits on the shelf near me, whereas Architect and the Toasted series, all those ones do not. Um, I don't know if I would go crazy trying to find it and dying to pay the $60 for it that they ask, but I think it's probably worth it, and I think it is pleasantly complex. You'll notice I don't talk a lot about transitions on the palette uh, with bourbons too much. I, I tend to get that more with scotches, but this one has a solid transition. I mean, a solid noticeable transition. I think if you are the type of person, maybe you're newer to drinking bourbon, maybe you're newer to whiskey, but as long as you're able to handle that barrel strength, if you're to the point where that barrel strength doesn't bother you too much, even if you're newer and not usually good at picking out the transition of flavors, I think you will in this. This has... It's distinctly creamy creme brulee moving into distinctly spicy woody. So I think you're going to be able to tell. And honestly, that's a nice, refreshing thing to have in in the palate of any whiskey. So I'm pretty impressed by it. I didn't expect it to do as well up against Rare Breed as it did. I'm going to give them one more side-by-side sip because I'm pretty intrigued by it. And then we will wrap up our thoughts. So that time after that nice long monologue, I sipped the Rare Breed first, which of course gave it a little bit more of that nice sweetness to it because I didn't have the Penelope on my palate already, and then made the Penelope seem a little bit dulled down. With any side-by-side tasting, this is something I don't know if I've really cautioned against. Whichever one you sip first is going to impact what you think about the next one. So I always go one, then two, and then the next time I'll go two, then one. That's always the best way for me to really get an idea. And it did bring up that Rare Breed a little bit. It did make it a little bit more sweet, a little bit more complex tasting. So moral of the story is this is holding up to Rare Breed in a side-by-side. They're two pretty different palettes. They both got some nice spicy woodiness, but aside from that, the Rare Breed's a little bit darker, a little bit more dark fruit in my opinion. Penelope stays pretty much away from the fruit. I got a little bit, but not a whole lot. Stays with that lighter glaze, that lighter sugary on the nose, and then uh, some of that creamy creme brulee on the palate. So pretty different side by side but interesting to see that the Penelope is holding its own I'm pretty impressed by this bottle Um, once again wouldn't rush out to pay more than the $60 for it but in the $60 range I think it's doing a good job holding its own it's a young company it's up and coming they're sourced and they're transparent about it they provide a ton of info on their website about their whiskeys all of which are things that I love The one complaint I'll stick with is it does build up that little bit of the weird harshness, bitterness that you get from some bourbons on your palate. It builds that up a little bit, but not something that's going to wreck your experience with it. It's not something you might even pick up if you don't do a long in-depth tasting as I have been doing. If you're just sipping on it, you're probably not even going to notice it. So, and that goes for a lot of the times that I mentioned that this, that's because I'm doing these in-depth tastings which is purposeful it's to give you guys a nice in-depth review but i noticed the things like that weird little bit of harshness i think i've said all that i can about these two whiskeys so i'm gonna finish out here with this penelope penelope barrel strength bourbon it impressed me it tastes good it's surprisingly complex on the palate love the fact that it has a hard transition They even mentioned transition. They know that they've done this. They know they've put something together with a palette that has a front end and a back end. I like that about it. That keeps me excited. That keeps me interested. 
I'm excited to see what's going to come from this company. They're doing all kinds of different batches, all kinds of different expressions. I'm excited to see what Penelope has coming down the line. The barrel strength bourbon, I'm not going to place it at you know my top five. I'm not going to say it's the best that I've ever had, but I will say it was worth the money. I would buy it again, and I'm more impressed by it than I thought I was going to be. Let me put it that way. That's all I can say about Penelope bourbon in this episode. So if you bought the bottle, if you're on the email list and you said, I'm going to go out and get it and drink it alongside the show, let me know what you thought. Hopefully you guys liked it. I will leave you with, as in this case, with comparing, with doing the in-depth tasting. If you want to learn to drink, you've got to drink to learn. Thank you for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review to help grow the show and get the word out. You can also find more Whiskey Noobs content on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs and on TikTok at whiskey noobs podcast. If you want to drink right along with me, make sure to join the email list by sending an email to whiskey noobs podcast at gmail.com with a subject line saying email list. You will receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time and drink right along with the show. Once again, thanks for listening to this episode. The Whiskey Noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.